Hey everybody, what's up? This is Ari in the Air. I'm a professional action sports athlete. I paraglide, I highline, I ski, I make films, I ride a mountain bike really fast, and I record a podcast that talks about anything that I want to talk about. Today, I'm back from a really great two-week trip to Mexico where I was hired to make a film about this awesome mountain bike race in Oaxaca, down south. I met some really amazing people, had great times with some of my best friends, Adam Craig, Sage Catabriga, Matt Slavin. Rode mountain bikes for a week on trails that were more heinous than anything I had ever seen. Spent a lot of time in the woods and in the rain. It was really great. And then I stayed for an extra week after those guys left and I paraglided for a while. And I hung out with some of the great Mexicans that I had met during the race. And I had a conversation with one of them that inspired this podcast, which is something that I've wanted to talk about for quite a while, but haven't quite done it. But today I'm freestyling. Sometimes in this podcast I will kind of write an outline for what I'm trying to talk about, but today, no, nothing. Just going spitball off the cuff, off the couch, coming back from my great trip, getting you guys some perspective. So, big breath in, big breath out. Like always, let's start it off with some kick-ass music. I'll see you in a minute. Got my cup of joe. So, today I want to talk about relationships and common misconceptions. And I had planned on making a podcast titled How to Build a Relationship because it seems that this is the most important education that we need in our lives, but we're never given explicitly. And so, basically, I met this guy, Yefra. Yefram. Yefra is a Mexican, Mexican, Mexican. 
His family is from Etla, which is a small town outside of Oaxaca City. It is right at the bottom of the mountains, and it is a place of a lot of poverty and a lot of indigenous people, and Yefra comes from both of those things. His family has been in Etla forever, and he is a really good mountain biker. Yefra, when I say a really good mountain biker, I mean like really good. He's like super fast. My best friend, Adam Craig, who's an Olympian mountain biker, he's a world champion in like God knows how many different disciplines on bikes. He's like a total legend in the industry. And he told me that last year, Yefra wanted him to follow him so he could do some follow cam stuff. And Adam couldn't keep up with Yefra. Basically, Yefra knows the trails and is willing to really push it. Adam is very conservative and has made a really long career out of this stuff and has his head screwed on super tight, of which I'm really proud of him. And he's a great example for people like Yefra. But Yefra has come to push really hard. Well, about a year ago, Yefra crashed while guiding his mountain bike while going really, really fast. He clipped a tree with his handlebar and it basically winged him. It like pulled his scapula off of his back. And it's like a super serious injury that ripped nerves in his shoulder. And he's like at 20% after a year. And so we met up for coffee downtown Oaxaca in the plaza. It was beautiful. I had heard lots of stories about him, how fast he was, but how hard he was pushing and that he had gone through a number of injuries. And as I've progressed in my own life and my own career as a professional athlete, I've come to realize that I don't actually have to be the best at anything. All I have to do is tell my story. And so this is something that I wanted to pass on to Yefra because he started telling me about how his dreams were to be a professional mountain biker and to go to Canada and ride with people who were better than him and faster than him so that he could get faster and get better and that he could aspire. He was aspiring to climb the ranks as a professional mountain biker. And I asked him why he wanted to do that and what his dream was. And he told me that he wanted to inspire his people, that he had seen so many People have broken dreams and he had seen so many of his people just fall into rank and file and just live the life that was handed to them without dreaming, without second guessing it, without wondering what it was that there was at their highest potential, right? And with that dream that he told me, I thought, wow, that's very you know, that's inspirational. That's something that the world needs. I think that's a gift that he can give to the world. But inside of the dream, he had that if he could become a professional mountain biker, he could do X. If he had X, he could do Y and then Z, right? But I told him that, no, it's actually not about being fast. You don't have to win. There's actually nothing to win. Winners only win for just a moment. There's another race next weekend. 
You can only be a winner for just a blip. You can be an inspiration for a lifetime. You can be a storyteller for a lifetime. You can build a legacy that lasts longer than you. And you don't need to wait for any kind of external validation to begin that process. So what I'm trying to convince Yefra of initially is to, A, slow down in your bike. Don't take so many risks because you need to be healthy. Your health is worth more than anything. And two, to not wait for any external validation to start chasing your dream. I told him that the first step is to catalyze your dream so that you can write it down, so that you can tell other people of it. And then once you have that, then you need to tell people what your dream is. And you need to incessantly tell people. You need to meet people on the street and start talking to them. And within three minutes, you need to be able to tell them what your dream is, what your aspirations are, why you're doing what you're doing, what your goal is. You know what I mean? And this resonated with him a lot, it seemed. And most of the conversation was in Spanish. Yefra started writing some things down. I took some pictures of his notebook actually after he finished writing. I should go back and look at them, but we bonded over that conversation downtown and in the preceding days we kept hanging out and that's a that's an amazing conversation. I think that we could do an entire podcast just on that conversation about how it is to give your gift to the world. We talked about manifestation, how to bring those things into your life. He mentioned that he had already begun to feel like he had already achieved everything that he wanted to achieve, not in the sense that it was in the past, but it was in the future and that he felt that it was already done and it was just coming his way which is a beautiful, beautiful, amazing thing and a huge part of how you manifest things into your life by bringing the sensation of accomplishment and the sensation that you would have into your body. So, we spend a couple days hanging out. We go on this little adventure the last day I was in Mexico where we loaded up our bikes and our friend Alvaro, who was the race organizer, and my paraglider. And we went out to this other town where the paraglide launch is, and they drove me to the top of the paraglide launch, and then they rode their bikes down as I paraglided. It was super great. We met up for lunch, we hung out, went back into the city, we dropped Alvi off, we got a bike, we raced up to the mountains, and we did like a sunset bike ride together. It was so sick. I filmed this little like, uh, at this point I was committed to like trying to help him achieve his dreams, right? So I came up with this idea of how I could film Yefra, have him tell the camera his dream so that it could catalyze, so that it could crystallize, so that we could spread it out to the world and tell people what his dream was and help him garner support and garner an audience so that he could start inspiring more and more people. So I basically wrote this little script and I went out with my camera and I was like 
you know, I was producing and directing this little shoot, right? And so in an hour, we freaking, like, in 12 minutes, I wrote the script, and in an hour, we had filmed the whole thing. And he was just, you know, the guy's been off of his bike for a year, and so now that he's back on his bike, I had lent him my bike that Adam Craig had given me so that he could get back on his bike for the few days while I was paragliding. So he went out and did some spinning, just riding around. And then by the time I was pointing a camera at him, he's hyped. He's like so stoked to be back on his bike. He's so fast and he's just a beautiful rider. Like he's just got hella style and, and uh, a really nice way of looking at the trails and terrain. Anyway, we shoot that little film. We go back into town and go to my hotel and I'm kind of packing up my stuff and he's uh, breaking down my bike that I lent him and putting it back into the bike bag. And after that, I said, ah, oh, we kind of got some more stuff to do. I kind of need to record this VO with you, yada, yada. I said, maybe you want to get some beers first. He said, yes. So we jump on this little moped that <clears throat> the hotel has available for its guests which is hilarious right because we're two dudes on the back on a moped which is super fun and we're running over to like speed bumps and stuff which high centers the moped on everyone and we just crack up so we go to this little tiny uh restaurant that makes tlayudas and tostadas and hot chocolate and we're having some dinner and yefra says to me i that he told me that he had never been good with girls and that he didn't know how to manage his relationship with women. He said that he had a hard time saying no to women. And as we talked a little bit more, he said that he had been hanging out with his ex-girlfriend a lot. He said that he was sure that he didn't want a relationship. And so instantly that was a sentiment that I had a lot of sympathy for because I tend to think that that is a programmed, regurgitated response that in our day and age we have come to hear that relationships are they tie you down, they burden you, they nag you, that having a wife is like a ball and chain, having children is the end of your life, um, all of these things, right? And I pity that kind of, like I pity people who have accepted that, who have bought that, who have swallowed that and regurgitated it because I personally think that my relationships are the best part of my life. My relationships with my friends and relationships with women and relationships with my significant other. These are some of the best things of my life. Contrary to popular belief that paragliding and all this stuff is the best. I think that my relationships are actually the best part of my life. And my relationships with women and my relationships with my friends are actually not that different. So I begin to ask him, why is it that you don't want a relationship? And he started to tell me, he said, well, 
because I don't want to have to spend all my time with her. I don't want someone who won't support my dreams or understand my dreams or know me or know what I'm trying to do or push me towards achieving those things. And it became clear that his idea of a relationship, when he says relationship, he, in his mind, had unhealthy relationship. That his only, his only idea, his only example of relationship was unhealthy. So it became quite clear as to why he wouldn't want a relationship because he didn't know that there was a way to have a really healthy, really supportive, purpose-built, meaningful relationship. And so I continued to ask him questions. I said, does every relationship have to be like what you just described? Does every relationship have to be that it takes up too much of your time, that the person doesn't see your vision, doesn't support your dreams, doesn't push you towards those things? And he said, well, I guess, I guess not. And so I began to give Yefra what would have been my podcast spiel of how to build a relationship. So I'll kind of synapsize that for you now. How to build a relationship. The first and most important part of building a relationship outside of yourself with another person is to first begin to work on the relationship you have with yourself. To start to identify your identity, who you are, what you are, how you are. This part is very important. To understand that you are a human being that has emotions, that has needs, that has desires, that has a conscious and a subconscious. To know that you don't have entire control or agency over all of the thoughts that go through your head. Understanding the nuanced perspective of what you are at a foundational level is of utmost importance. You can't operate without knowing what you are. It's very hard. Next, you have to understand what your needs, desires are. What is it that you're looking for? You have to begin to craft a vision. If you're building a structure, you have to have some kind of plan, some kind of idea. Even if it's not written down and explicit, are you building a shed for your lawnmower or are you building a house for your family to live in for the next 50 years? Are you building a skyscraper or are you building a adobe hut? Knowing what you're trying to build is pretty important if you're going to take action to build it. 
Also, the footprint of this structure is something that you have to plan. What is the size of this thing in my life? What is its purpose? What is its intended duration? What is its direction? To begin to build any kind of relationship, you have to clear space in your own life, in your own mind, in your heart, for this structure to live, for it to be, for it to be planted, right? If you don't have any space in your life for the thing that you're building, then it's never going to be built. If you don't have a vision for what's going to be built, then how can it ever how can space ever be cleared for it? So I told him that in a relationship I told him that in a relationship he has to be a leader. He has to be the leader of his relationship. To be a leader you have to have a vision. To be the general contractor to create some kind of structure, you have to have some kind of idea of what it is that you're building. And it sounded to me that he actually had a pretty clear vision of what he wanted, but he had drawn it out from the other side. He had painted the negative version of it, right? He had painted the negative version of it. Uh, He had said, I don't want this. I don't want this. I don't want someone who doesn't do this. I don't want someone who doesn't do this. And by doing so, he had outlined the purpose, vision of his relationship. And he had said that he didn't want someone who wouldn't see him and understand his dreams, someone that wouldn't understand how much time he has or how much time he needs to spend in that relationship, someone that wouldn't support his pursuit of the dreams the activities, and someone that wouldn't push him towards his goals. So I said, well, it sounds like you want someone who will push you towards your goals, that will see you, that will understand you, that will take time to understand your dreams and why they're important. Someone that will support those things. Someone that will understand how much time you're willing to put into the relationship. That it's not just an endless, never-ending, all-consuming thing inside of your life. I said those people are out there. But the people won't. The women out there will not come to you and say, I'm looking for a man who I can support in his dreams and understand his dreams and all of this. No. We all have our own things. We all got our own agendas, our own visions, our own goals, our own things. So it's your responsibility, Ephra, to be the leader. You have to be the leader of the relationship. And to be the leader, you have to have a vision. So what is the vision? What is the purpose, duration, direction, meaning of the relationship? What are its time boundaries? What are it's what kind of containers is it going to be made of as far as communication and support and all of these things, right? 
once you realize that you can be the leader of a relationship and that to be a leader you have to have a vision, then you can craft any vision you want. As an architect, you can make plans for an adobe hut or you can make plans for a skyscraper. The world is your oyster. There's no outside constraint on what you can and cannot build. There's a lot of pushback from people my age about the societal implications as to what a relationship should look like, but cultural norms push on your emotions. They don't push on your bounds in a real sense. You know what I mean? They push on your emotions. So freeing yourself of that by having a vision and having an understanding of, okay, this is the relationship I want to build. This is what it's going to look like. With flexibility, right? You don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but you know the needs, you know the wants, those kind of things. And so, then as you go out into the world and you meet people, you can start to share the vision, share the dream, what is it that you're trying to build, what is it that you're trying to look for, and honestly, I told him that, man, like, if you have a clear, clean, loving, purposeful, meaningful vision of the relationship you're trying to build, oh my god, you're so in the top one hundredth of the one percentile of men who are going to have the most meaningful, satisfying relationships in the world. And you're going to garner attraction from the finest level women who exist. Right? That's a beautiful thing. Because we all have those needs. We all have purpose needs. We have meaning needs. We have connection needs. We have physical connection needs. We have sexual needs. We have support needs. We have dietary needs. We have shelter needs. Being able to understand who you are as a person and your own needs is the impetus of being able to empathize with another person's needs and That is only the beginning of being able to take care of another person and to look out for another person. And we all need support from one another. So if you have this kind of understanding of yourself, if you have this kind of vision for the future and relationship that you're trying to build, there are going to be people who are self-aware that they realize that they have needs as well so that when you propose a plan and a relationship that is understanding and loving, that is compassionate for both of the needs of the persons, people, and their humanity, their flawedness, their emotions, all of these things. When you have this really robust understanding of what you are, what they are, what your relationship will become, 
man, you can really give a lot of security to another person. And by giving security, you're going to get security. By leading a person in this and by collaborating in this process with another person, you can really create for yourself a lot of security, a lot of space in your life. You can accept the needs that you have and have a way to receive those needs, right? But if you don't know your needs, how are you going to get them? If you don't know your needs and you're wandering through life trying to get them, you're basically just like being driven around by your programming, by your subconscious, by your physical monkey brain that needs to fuck and needs to eat. Which is, unfortunately, the level of operation that humanity has been on for quite some time. Right? So, to actually build a relationship that is purpose-built, that is meaningful, that is loving, that is understanding, that is compassionate, that has great communication, that is anti-fragile... This is literally how you make the world better. This is your gift to the world. How you treat your girlfriend is your gift to the world. How you treat people is your gift to the world. We need more people who are going to give a loving, understanding, compassionate, centered, anti-fragile gift to the world. Okay, anti-fragile, I guess I'll just tangent for a moment and kind of define anti-fragile. An anti-fragile relationship is one that is robust enough to withstand the everyday and normal things that come up in a human relationship. If you have a girlfriend who would dump you if you expressed your attraction to another woman, then that is a very fragile relationship. Because having attraction to other people in the world while being in a relationship is completely and totally normal. So if your relationship is broken by normal things, it's very fragile. Anti-fragile means that you have a robust enough understanding of the other person that when normal things come up for them, whether that's doubt in your relationship, attraction for other people, sadness, depression, any of these things that can come up in humanity, that you have an understanding, a compassion, as well as systems of communication and systems of work that you can work through these things with your partner that bring you out on the other side stronger and more connected, this is what I mean when I say anti-fragile. Your relationship's not on the precipice of breakup and teetering and waiting for one, the next normal thing, the next fight, the next disagreement, the next time that one person has attraction for someone outside the relationship or yada yada right? Anti-fragile. That the house, that the structure, 
when the wind blows and the rain comes and the snow falls and the earth shakes that the building doesn't actually just fall over into the street. You know, anti-fragile. Robust. Lasting. So, but that has to be built into your vision, right? An architect needs to know whether he's building a building on a fault line and it should have really extensive anti-earthquake precautions built into the foundation of the building or if it's in a flood zone or if it's in it's going to experience 200 mile an hour winds or any number of the factors you have to build that kind of thing into your vision for the relationship so part of the vision should be that your relationship will be anti-fragile that it won't just be blown over by the normal shit that is going to come through the landscape of your lives you know but there's an important distinction here that is that you're not looking for a relationship to be sheltered from the weather of the landscape. That you're not trying to build a giant wall around your structure so that no wind can blow against it. You have to know that the wind and the rain will come and you build the building anti-fragile to be where it is through those things and when those things come it's okay and you can deal with those things and you can accept them being there you don't have to instantly try to squash the rain stop the wind you know what I mean does that make sense it's like I was married for a Mexican woman for nearly a decade and I after my divorce, I had realized that on far too many occasions, I would wish that there was no rain. When we were in a fight, when we were in a disagreement, I would have impatience. I would have shame. I would have a lack of presence being where we were because I didn't want to be there. I didn't want there to be rain. I didn't want there to be wind. I just wanted to have smooth sailing. And so I ended up dismissing, denying, um, defending all of these things as opposed to just accepting where we were and dealing with it in the present. Anyway... I finished by telling Yefra that the purpose of your relationship has to be rooted in service. That by knowing your needs and knowing yourself, that you can begin to know in which ways you are going to need to be served. And that will be foundational in your understanding of how to serve another person. Emotionally, physically, dietarily, 
as far as shelter and home and nesting and touch and connection and affirmations and support and vision and dream and career and all these things. Understanding what you need and what you want is one of the keys to being able to empathize with another person in what they want and what they need. And if you build a relationship on the foundation of service, that you're going to serve another person, then that is like the bedrock that you can be assured that will have lasting, meaningful impact, right? If your intent is to merely be served, then you will... I mean, obviously you're starting with some kind of misled thing, but you'll also soon grow resentful because you will never be served healthily in the way that you want to be served if you're merely trying to be served as opposed to be of service. That just won't work. It's also unfair, unrealistic, and you're missing out on the greatest joys in life, which is to serve, right? Too many of our relationships are fragile because we are expecting service. And when we don't get it, we think there's got to be someone else out there who would serve me better than this, than this person who's currently serving me. And the better question is, how can I better be of service? These are not easy things. This is not like an easy switch to flip in your mind that you're going to go from being selfish and needy to being a centered, humble, enlightened servant all of a sudden. This is a path. This is a journey that you want to walk down that leads you every step of the way to be more understanding, more loving, more compassionate, more serving of yourself, of others. He said, wow, Ari, thank you for that. He said, what about partying? I said, what do you mean partying? He says, you know, getting together with your friends and drinking some beers. Maybe not too many. I said, what do you mean by friends? I said, are they just people? Or are they people who inspire you? Are they people who make you, that you look up to? That have vision and understanding and compassion and are loving people? The relationship that you have with your woman and the relationship you have with your friends, really not all that different. Having an understanding of yourself and your needs in friendship allows you to serve people in friendship with their needs, which is a great practice for serving 
your friend, who is your significant other, in that same practice of relating. Hmm. Hmm. So it turns out Yefra does want a relationship. He doesn't want an unhealthy one, and who does? Who does? And how we've been brainwashed into thinking we don't want relationships is by trying to characterize relationships as unhealthy. That only that relationships are only nagging, unhealthy, untimely, not planned. They start with sexual desire and turn into a weird, mushy thing that we can't end because we don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. Ugh. This is... How we have broken children, because out of these kind of relationships, children are born and are resented, and the parents don't have a robust understanding of their own needs, their own identity, their own beingness, and so they can't understand their children, and we just have generation after generation of the same kind of bullshit. So if you want to change the world, you have to change your relationships. You have to change your understanding of yourself. If you want to change the world, you have to change how you date, how you fuck, how you have friends. These are the things that the environmentalists don't want to talk about. These are the things that the government, the mass media, they don't talk about. It's all use government force to regulate this and economics this and blah, blah, blah. Nothing about yourself. Not a fucking thing about yourself. Not a fucking thing about changing yourself, being a better person, serving the world, being a gift. This is the real work. Trust me, it's not voting. Fuck voting. Can't make other people make the world better. Can't make other people make you better. Doesn't work like that. Come on. If it did, this big government experiment would have made the world a perfect place millennia ago. <laughs> but no, they killed Socrates, they killed Jesus. <laughs> and you think that if we vote, we'll... it'll, it'll save us. No, it's your relationships that are going to save us. Start with your relationship to yourself. Have a vision for what it is that you need, for what it is that you want, for the direction, the purpose. Make it anti-fragile in its nature. Understand the types of communication and structure and support that the thing will need to last and to bring meaning and joy and support. Structure that understanding into some kind of vision that you can be a collaborative leader in creating and then start sharing that message and those kinds of things will repel the wrong people and they will attract the right people and if you make a commitment to being that person that you outline if you make a commitment to being the show then people will come watch and they will want to be a part of it this is the best work you can do for the world this is the shit that we need we need healthier relationships. We need healthier people, happier people. And this is one of the best ways to be it. I love you so much. I wish the best for you. 
If there's something I can do to help answer your questions, send me an email, airyintheair at gmail.com. Keep on loving out there, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.